Hey, good afternoon, good evening, good night, as I always say, wherever you're listening from, wherever you're watching from. This globe has different time, and, and you know, we, we recognize that even the United States, there are different time zones, and, you know, we have to appreciate that. So I greet you like that. You know, look into the mirror and, and, and look at yourself and ask yourself the question, do I have any limitations? You know, it, it's critical for us to ask ourselves that question from time to time and also to reflect on how others see us with limitations. And yeah, I, I, I really mean ref doing that reflection, but trying to go against the expectation of others because sometimes we have limitations and, and, and people around us, even family members, do not expect us to, to do well with the limitations that we have. And um, we need to prove them wrong. So if you have a, a limitation today, just look into the mirror and tell yourself that you are going to prove others wrong as it relates to their expectations uh, um, in regards to the limitation or limitations that you have. My guest today, she has a limitation, but guess what happened? She's a superwoman. Yeah, she, she in, in, you know, I've talked with her before. She... She she's very optimistic. She does things that that others believe that it's impossible for her to do, and she proved them wrong. And she's going to be talking to to me today as, as it relates to how she gets that done, you know, and and her whole optimism. And and we'd want to hear her out and and what the limitations are. She you know our limitation is she will let us know more about that. And I'm sure that after. I finish talking to my guests. You will look back in that mirror and say, hey, guess what happened? I am going to do well. I am going to go against my limitations and the expectations that others have uh, as it relates to my limitations. So I'm going to let my guests in. Shelly. Shelly! Hey! What's up? Hey, Shelly. It's nice to have you again on Canute Exploration, your topic in a podcast. I am Dr. Canute White. Shelly, one other thing that I'd like to to talk to you about before we go into this. Your childhood Shelly, your, your little Shelly, um, growing up, five-year-old, <laughs> seven-year-old. Tell me about that. Well, I'll even go back further. I got, so my disability is congenital hemipelvectomy, mm -hmm. which means I was naturally born without my right hip or my right leg. Wow. I also have scoliosis in my spine and lordosis. So my spine mm -hmm. grew over my left leg and is pushed forwards towards my belly button. So it's all kinds of twisted up. But when I was six months old, I got my first prosthetic leg. And little Shelly had like no knee. It was this really little leg with a strap around my waist. And I fumbled and crawled around and, and figured out my life from a very early stage. And I became a problem solver even back in the 70s when I was born. And uh, growing up was a real challenge, in, not just physically, but mentally. And society wasn't really kind in the 70s and the 80s and into the 90s. But I persevered and I thought I'm going to go to college. And I did. And I got I wanted to get married. And I did. And I got a job and I did. And I had we had children. Yeah. We have three beautiful boys despite my congenital amputation. And so today's show, and thank you so much for having me today, Dr. White, is about You're welcome. perseverance and being optimistic and 
overcoming and achieving and believing in ourselves and empowering ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I like to ask you this question. You're you're married, right? You said you're married. 25 years now. Right. Um, my audience would like to know because you know, in general, you know, culturally, persons believe that okay, if if the the, the female or the male for that matter has a disability, then yeah. the, the person who is able would not want to 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 mate with that person. Yep. Talk to talk to me about that. So I actually um I think it's about my attitude with my disability and how I look at the world and how I look at myself. And I I grew up with very strong women in my life, which helped build my tribe and who I am and how I believed in myself. And don't get me wrong, everybody. It, people say nasty things, young and old, and, and society can very, be very cruel at all ages. But I learned that that's their problem. If they have a problem with my prosthetic or they have a problem with how I walk or how I am a little slower or I have to do things a little differently, that's on them. That's their problem because I'm not going to be able to change. And why should I have to change who I am to make somebody else more comfortable with who I am? That's that's on them. So I went to college, had my friends and... Um, Ask this one fella out and he said, oh, I already have a girlfriend, but I want to introduce you to my cousin, Rob. I'm like, oh boy, you know, everybody's got this great cousin. (laughs) (laughs) So he was studying German in Austria and he came home and and joined us back at college the next semester. He turned out to be a pretty okay kind of guy. So we stayed friends and the the group of us, about five of us in college, and yeah. we stayed friends all these years, and I just got a little friendlier with Rob. So we <laughs> we got married in 1996. Yeah, we were we were college friends, and then we were post college lovers, and then uh, and then we got married, and a year and a half later we had our first son. Wow. So, and it it is hard. Now I will admit that my husband, I said I love you first, yeah. and I didn't expect him to say it. Uh, and that was fine. Yeah. Um, but he did, he did admit after we got engaged that it had taken him six months to, to sit back and pause. Did he want to get in a relationship with a person with a physical disability? Yeah. And, and I, I commended him for that. I didn't yell and scream and say, well, why wouldn't you? Because he didn't know. And heck, I don't even know how I'm going to age and what I'm going to be like in another 30 years from now. Um, we all have our good days, able-bodied or disabled, yeah. and, but we all have our bad days too. And, and things come up, but you think of that one in four, at least Americans and 15% of the planet have a mental or physical disability. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're all going to get there and disabilities are going to catch up to us eventually in life. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'm, I'm glad that he, he took the time to consider my disability and how that was going to impact. But I always yeah. keep guessing. I mean, having three children and and not a miscarriage amongst them, which is a blessing. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, and working and, and pulling my part of the relationship in. Um, but I, I see my friends and family with other disabilities and, mm-hmm. you know, you make it work. Nobody's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, do you know anybody that is physically or mentally perfect in your life? Oh, no. 
No, yeah. there, there, there's always some sort of limitation in, right. in life. Yeah. We yeah. always have something. We also have some sort of limitation. And, mm -hmm. and that is why, Shelley, I started out like this in the introduction saying, hey, that limitation that um, my audience have, that you have, you yeah. need to, to, to consider it as something you can, you can step over and, and, and really uh, do your best to, to be you. You know who you want to be. Limitations, you know, and, and I want you to comment on this. Um, limitations should never stop you. No. You should be more powerful than those limitations. What do you say? We should, and I and I think growing up this way, I didn't have the village of support that I've built, whether it's friends or family or coworkers. But we have to say, okay, this is the life that I was given, and. According to the Bible, we are all made in God's likeness. So we yeah. are created the way we are meant to be. Yeah. And my journey is different than anybody else's, but I'm finding my purpose in life. And it has a lot to do with disability advocacy mm -hmm. and educating the able-bodied community, whether it's occupational nurses or our local police force in yeah. the city of, of just more awareness, yeah. more ways to be kind more ways to take a different approach and a different look at at how to work with and talk to mm -hmm. and talk about persons with mental or physical disabilities. And so it's empowering me by giving myself that voice and educating the able-bodied society. It's it's I'm giving back, but I'm also learning more about myself with the questions that they're asking yeah. me. And it's empowering me. Oh. Yeah. And, and it's this this little inertia kind of circle that's going around. And yeah. here that I do it, I get stronger and I get wiser and I learn and I put more of that skill and that knowledge in my little toolbox of life. And it's just mm. I'm I'm finding my purpose the second half of my life. Yeah. And it's it's turning into something pretty wonderful. So, so we don't we're not born like this. We have to we have to learn to find our yeah. way our journey definitely so the criticism shelley should help us to grow around our limitations the criticism the the stigma the the biases you know the, those um aggressions you know should help us to to grow uh, around our limitations to to at least become more more transformed into a, a person who is more powerful to to to, to push the limitations behind us you know, microaggressions and, and micro experiences are a funny little thing. Sometimes they, able-bodied society will say, you get around pretty good for being an amputee. Yeah. I'll be like, thanks. You get along, you know, you get around pretty well for wearing glasses and artificial teeth. Yeah. You know, you chew pretty good for having false teeth. So yeah. it's, you know, <laughs> they don't mean it. They don't see it. But yeah. I think it's, yeah. it comes from lack of education. Yeah. I think it comes from um, being nervous around something that makes them visually yeah. uncomfortable <laughs> and they, they don't know how else to say it. So they think that's the answer that we want to hear. Yeah. And it's, it's not necessarily. Um, I, I think genuine curiosity, if somebody approaches any of right. us in the community and says, Hey, tell me about your leg. That's a really cool leg. You yeah. know, it's yeah. really cool color today. Tell me about it. You know, we're always going to be open to sharing our story. We're yeah. always going to want to connect with somebody else. And you never know. If you're nice enough, you may say, 
you know, my mom's going to lose her leg next week. And I'm really oh, nervous yeah. about it. And I've had that. And I'm like, oh, well, tell me more about that. And just that five, 10 minutes that you spend with that person really can open up their whole world of knowledge mm -hmm. and respect for somebody in the disability community and how, how they look at us differently. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. okay, that was a good, I finally had a really good conversation with an amputee and I just didn't know. So it's, yeah. um, but microaggressions and, and micro experiences can be very, very hurtful. Yeah. I had a micro experience when I was pregnant with our first son mm -hmm. and my socket goes around my waist and yeah. I was not able to wear my prosthetic past three months pregnant. Mm -hmm. And the two micro experiences I had was the first one, I was six months pregnant on crutches. I had this big old belly and I, it was a beautiful June day and I was going into the store and this older white gentleman says to yeah. me, what kind of mother are you going to be? Mm. Who, how, who would get you pregnant and how are you going to care for that child? Who do you think you are getting pregnant? Well, first of all, I never met this man. Never saw him ever again. And second of all, it wasn't of his, any of his darn business. Yeah. Who got me pregnant or what my experience or life experience was, whether or not I had a partner or a spouse. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time I really spoke up at 28 years old. Yeah. And I stood up for myself. And I tell you, I was shaking like a leaf, like an aspen tree in, in the fall. And but I empowered myself that day. Yeah. I stood up for myself that day. And it it felt pretty darn good because then I said, I'm strong. Yeah. And I don't need somebody's approval to live my life. And, mm -hmm. and have the life experiences that I want with my partner. And yeah. being a mother was really important to me because I wanted to see that I could do it. And, and then the second micro experience I had was once I had John, our first son. Okay. Um, the insurance company said to me that they wouldn't, they couldn't validate making me a new socket to go around my waist to get me back on two legs mm -hmm. because I wasn't working. And I was okay. just home mother mm -hmm. and I had to lose all the weight without running, knowing how to run. Cause I okay. couldn't, mm -hmm. I couldn't do sit ups because I don't have that right hip structure. So I would be crunching on my tailbone all the time. That would mm -hmm. hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just didn't have the strength to do it. So, and I didn't know how to, Right. Uh -huh. I didn't have the right physical body to do what I needed to do to lose the weight. So it was a challenge for, several more months to a year until I lost enough weight, but I did yeah. it and I persevered well done. I proved to myself that I could do it. And then the next two pregnancies, I was in that legs longer because I advocated for myself, even when the doctors in the medical field didn't know what to do with me. I said, okay, this is what we're <laughs> going to do. We're going to cut the socket back. We're going to make a stir and we're going to yeah. work. And I delivered two more full term, seven and a half pound children after that first pregnancy. That was wow. A disastrous emergency because um, he was a 32 weeker when he was born. He was very, he was a little over three pounds. He was very, very tiny. Mm. All about digging in and believing in yourself yeah. and empowering yourself and saying, I know the world around me is saying I can't, but I, even if you just start to say, I think I can. Yeah. Try and then try and try and try. I mean, you don't wake up a millionaire. You don't wake up famous, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You don't wake up a doctor, right? Yeah, right. No, God. Baby steps. You you go. Okay, I'm gonna get to step A to step B, and then B to C, and C yeah. to, until you're at Z. Yeah. Then you've got it. 
and and you adjust and you fix, but you empower and educate and believe in yourself. Like that little train that could, I think I can do this. Right. I'm mm -hmm. not so bad at this. Wow. I can do this. Wow. Look at me. And it just takes that self awareness and believing yeah. in yourself and empowering yourself until you get where you want to be. Definitely, definitely. This is Kenyut Exploration, your topic in the podcast. I'm Dr. Kenyut White, sitting in with Shelly. Shelly, I, I want you to, to explain again, right? Hmm? Your, your condition. Okay. Right? Because we're putting it out there. And I have a question to ask you after you explain. Absolutely. So for your listeners, I was born one in eight million. I am a congenital hemipelvectomy, which means I was born without my right hip and right leg. So there was nothing there. My spine chose to grow over my left hip that I do have. And so I have scoliosis and that got worse after three children. And I have lordosis because my lower two discs off my tailbone never finished developing and closing completely. And so that is my condition. And I've lived with it my whole life. I've got my yeah. first prosthetic at six months. So, and I, you know, I'm pretty active considering. Right. And and and, and those of you who are not seeing Shelly, right? If you're only seeing on your favorite podcast platform, she's very active. She, you know, she's okay. If if you if you look at Shelly, you would not know that she has a limitation. Right. Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> right, Shelly. Yeah. So so Shelly, my thing, were you afraid of having that child, that the first pregnancy? Were were there any any fear at all in, in your head space? Were you afraid? You know, that's a great question. Thanks for asking it. Um, I, I thought about adopting children okay. because it's a wonderful thing to do. And there's a lot of beautiful children that need a home. Yeah. And my husband had his own apprehensions. So we, as a couple decided to have children naturally. And uh, I think he was more nervous than I was, to be honest. I was excited yeah. Yeah. And he said, well, how are we going to do that? And I said, I, you know, we'll have the conversation about the little birds and the bees, but we're going to do it like every other people. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. we, we, um, I had a ton of x-rays every six months. Okay. My first 18 years of life when I went to Shriners Hospital in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, yeah. and it was on my scoliosis. So they weren't protecting my ovaries at that time yeah. growing up. So while they were protecting my scoliosis and my my disability, they weren't looking out for my future okay. reproductive health. Yeah. Right. So it took us a year to get pregnant with our first son and about three months with our second son. And I just believed in the process and I just felt I can do this. I just need some help. And like usual, I just need to do things a little differently. And it may take me a little more time, but I'm going to do this. And we got pregnant. And it was each pregnancy was beautiful. And it was I was so grateful for each child I was able to give life to. Mm -hmm. And it, I just ate really healthy and I took really good care of myself. And I made sure I was confident in the shoes that I wore to make sure that I was on stable ground. And I just listened to my body. Yeah. And and did that. Um yeah. But yeah, I think my husband was more freaked out about the whole. Thing than I was. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. You know, Shelley, I, I have a friend uh, at this time while we are talking. Her daughter is in Florida in a, in a hospital here in Florida. Okay. She's a, an adolescent. She she's having a challenge as well. Um, you know, MS, 
and um, they are they are doing a number of, of surgeries on her, and um, you know it, it's it's really a miserable time for her and her mother. I I I am saying this to to say that what would you suggest or would you advise that teenager who, who is who is going to be having a, a you know a bit of challenge now um, as she go through. You know, there were times when I went to Shriners and I'd sit there, I'd drive two hours to get there, two hours to get home. I'd sit there sometimes two, three hours for a doctor to look at me in my underwear, which was really embarrassing at that age, um, for like 10 minutes and then I'd have to go home. And it was every six months I was doing that. Um, her life has massive worth, more than she knows right now. Yeah. And this journey that she's on probably doesn't seem fair and it doesn't seem right. And she probably just wants to be an average teenager doing all the average things. Mm -hmm. um, but she's bonding with her mom yeah, and she's learning about herself and she needs to be grateful with the body that she's been given, that she's been given a life and, and for as independent as she can be at, at this time, um, this journey that she's on will teach her something about herself and yeah. it'll be much different than my journey. Yeah. Um, but my father always said I was born to do something great. And only yeah. now in my fifties, am I, am I learning what that really means? And I'm finding my journey and I'm still discovering things about myself. So mm -hmm. it is a process. And we, as persons with mental or physical disabilities need to be grateful for even the little things that we have every day the independent things that we can do for ourselves every day, even if it's not running a marathon, yeah. even if it's just getting up and getting dressed and feeding ourselves and getting ourselves in our wheelchair. That you celebrate that, that you can do that yourself at any age and be patient and be kind to yourself. I wasn't yeah. kind enough to myself when I was a teenager and I, I wasn't, it wasn't a welcomed thing to talk about my disability when I was growing up. Society is much is different, not mm -hmm. completely different, but it's way more accepting. Oh yeah, than it used to be, mm -hmm. and so she will find her way right. to find her village of support, whether it's her friends at school, yeah. or family, or other other kids with MS. Yeah, and talk, talk yeah. about it, and and get it out there, and you'll learn. And you'll teach and you'll help somebody else that's just starting their journey. You know, she's a year from now, she'll look back and go, okay, I think I've got the hang of this MS yeah. thing. But it's it's kind of her responsibility to reach back for the next one and help that next one along on their journey as well. Yeah, and I appreciate that. I will ensure that she hears this. Um, I have two questions I need to ask you, two other questions. Um, first, this whole thing about voting because I realize you're an advocate for, for, for disabled person mm -hmm. as well. And, and, and this struck me when, you, when I saw this, this about voting, voting rights, right? Voting rights for, for disabled um, persons. What's going on with that? Is there a challenge um, as it relates to voting rights? Um, yes. What's, what's happening? Talk yeah, to me about I that. follow, uh, there's a Canadian disability advocate and journalist by, by the name of Liz Plank. And I I had the honor and joy of interviewing her uh, and all her craziness about a year ago. Wow. And and I've followed her because she's a really big disability voting rights advocate. Um, you know, when we, we had our last president, Trump, who right. mm -hmm. I think was atrocious for uh, a lot of the disability community, yeah. he 
the website, the United States White House website, polls anything that had to do with disability advocacy, voting rights, and accessibility ADA rights off their website. And for the four years that he and he and he had that done the day he was elected into presidency. Okay. And um, that put us back about thirty years with our wow. rights. Yeah. That was pretty atrocious. And I even called and spoke to the White House numerous times about it. Mm -hmm. And just to, if nothing else, make them aware of the fact that they are infringing on millions of people's rights here oh. in the United States alone. Um, facilities aren't accessible. They don't offer ramps. Yeah. And when somebody does show up and they'll say, oh, well, people with wheelchairs don't really show up anyway. Well, because maybe you don't have ramps and, and they take eight steps to get into a voting bu building. Mm -hmm. You know, if somebody with a wheelchair in the United States shows up and you don't have a ramp by law, yeah. you have to offer them privacy and guidance and um, advocacy at your polling place. And mm -hmm. if not, you need to call in the police and the local constable who oversees that facility on voting day. There is an 800 number out there. If you go to like okay. votespa.gov, if you go to your state or the League of Women Voters in the United States, they're very neutral. They will help find translation phone numbers for numerous um, other languages. Okay. That's a voting mm -hmm. problem too. You know, yeah. they, they don't know how to translate and the people that are there can't translate into Spanish or Chinese or Mandarin or Russian. And it's important that every American, no matter what disability, ability, or language they speak, has mm -hmm. the same equal rights, whether they're a Republican or a Democrat or an independent. When they are in that poll, they need to be shown, they must by law, be shown the same amount of privacy and respect as Definitely. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of new electronic touchscreen at least in Pennsylvania, touchscreen um, machines that were offered there, they would have a joystick for yeah. people that had maybe hand contractures. Uh, there's something you can add your sip and puff if you're a paraplegic, oh. and you can blow on it and you can make mm. your choices through your sip and puff device. Uh, you can also put headphones on and it'll speak to you if you're a person with blindness or cataracts and low vision. And so every polling place in state of Pennsylvania has to be trained and have that voting electronic voting machine up and running. You can't hide it and say, oh, well, nobody's asking for it. By law, they have to have that. And yeah. I know numerous other states are implementing those as well. So they can also call, call their county, you know, county voting agencies and find out what their options are. Mm -hmm. Mail by home, you know, mailing mail-in ballots for persons that are maybe bed bound or don't yeah. have transportation for lots of reasons, not just disabilities. Mm -hmm. They too can do mail-in, you know, ballot voting and have their voice counted as well. You know, in other countries, there are different things, but I would check with your local government as to what your voting rights are as a person with a disability and ask for, ask for help, ask for accommodations. It's, it should be, there should be rights. I know a lot of other European countries and India uh, I know they have a lot of good things already implemented for voting rights in other countries. Oh, cool. That, that's important. Um, this is Kenyut Exploration, your topic in the podcast. I'm Dr. Kenyut White, sitting in Shelly. Uh, Shelly, I, I, well, I'm in Broward County, Florida. Okay. Right? I am sure that persons, 
um, here with disability, living with disability, would, would have heard what you're saying and, you know, try to reach out to, to, to ensure that they have um, those sort of facilities, their accommodation um, when it comes to voting time. But in Jamaica, where I'm from, <laughs> the culture is a bit different. And, um, you know, um, like here, yep. you know, Jamaicans take voting seriously right um and they'd want the the party the party that they support to win and and um persons would be around the polling station who will assist these persons with disability mm -hmm. if it means lifting a, a, an old lady who, who, who is in a wheelchair and you know everybody men will will do that in jamaica yeah. in, at the community um, um polling station i suspect that it goes there too but the point i'm trying to make is that persons will be there to assist despite the fact that governments right the yep. political directorate uh, uh, the onus is on them to ensure that persons with disability um have the accommodation they need to to vote and that's as you said a part of the whole voting right thing yeah yeah and we can't we can't think of ourselves as secondhand persons of like oh there's no ramp here today and i can't get up with my walker or my wheelchair and therefore i guess i just won't vote today no yeah. showed up and for some persons they'll be in bed the whole next day because it's so yeah. exhausting to get dressed to get in the vehicle to get there to do their voting waiting in line and 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 get through and then get back home and it, that may be their yeah. whole day yeah. for energy yeah. i have felt 90 percent more energy just walking yeah. so when i work the polls it's like a 14 15 hour day yeah I'll be out of my prosthetic and on crutches the next day no. just working from home because I'm so tired. But I've upheld my democracy. No. And every person that shows up in every county, you're you're doing the right thing as a voting-abled American, no matter what party you're from. Mm -hmm, and you're mm -hmm. having your voice and your choice heard. And you have the right to do that. Definitely, definitely. I support the democracy in terms of voting. And, um, you know, you, you know, everybody should have that right, should exercise that right. It's a part of the American democracy. And, and you know, you know, the, the world, you know, most parts of the world has that sort of a freedom, that sort of a right to vote. And uh, we, we must exercise that. I, I love what you're doing and as it relates to voting rights. For, for persons with disability, Shelley, that's that's you know I, I love that. But the, the other question I have for you is, is um, as it relates to uh, you know the the medical simulation that you are involved in. I found that very interesting. Talk to 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 me a bit about that. Yeah, and I'd love to connect your your listeners to more of this work. So I have been blessed working with a hospital on the main line outside of Philadelphia. It's a teaching hospital, and there are thousands of these simulation centers across the United States. And actually, there's some in Europe because I met with some physicians in Poland a few years ago prior to COVID that yeah. were starting their own medical simulation centers. So what these medical simulation centers are is they are always looking for persons with any kind of disability yeah. to come in and teach their students, their medical students. And... So I go in as an amputee with congestive heart failure or COPD that I can't breathe with my lungs mm -hmm. or that I've had a baby or I've pulled my shoulder rotator cuff shoulder. And how am I going to get my prosthetic leg on? So we do these little scene acting scenes together and I yeah. get a script and the nursing students have some basic information about this patient that I'm playing the role. 
Okay. And they yeah. come in and they have to assess me, go over my medication, check my vital signs like my heart and my lungs and my pulse. And they they get practice of what it's like working with a real yeah. patient in a real hospital. So these little practice rooms may look like little mini hospital rooms. And they have to think, okay, when I send this person home, she's going to have, she can't breathe with her lungs or her heart problem, but she has a leg that she has to wear. So she's not a fall risk. And yet she expels 90% more energy to walk. What am I going to do for her as a nurse or a doctor? They have to think about, okay, let's send home therapy. Let's send home a home aid through the insurance company. And they have to think. So it helps them to become better doctors and nurses in the medical field. Like I said, there are these medical simulation centers all over the world that are constantly looking to, um, some do telehealth now, especially during COVID. We learned that we could do telehealth. (laughs) Definitely. Somebody is at home uh, and and cannot get out of their home, but they have a disability. Mm -hmm. They could still reach out. And there's always grant money that you get yeah. paid a little something every hour that you're there. So this could be a lucrative way that somebody that doesn't have transportation, can't get out yeah. of bed, could earn a paycheck, could earn a little bit of something and give back because these nursing students and med students really need to learn and hear our voices and our challenges mm-hmm. and, 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 and have this little question and, and empower and educate themselves. And I'll tell you, having that voice and doing that for the last seven, eight years has been phenomenal. Wow. It really has given me a voice. And and I've learned the society is more accepting to my disability and the challenges that I've had. Yeah. And I want to keep sharing. And it's it's been yeah. a beautiful journey. Well I tell you, you know, and our adversities, I, I, I listen to you and, and, and I realize that our adversities, our limitations are somebody else's strength. Yeah. yeah? And, yeah. And, and and you see you have been doing so much as it relates to 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 sharing to to helping others to empowering others because of your limitations mm-hmm. um persons have, have have been doing so well because of your limitation right right, right. And, and um you know you know that is key and i hope that my listeners um will understand that if they do have some well everybody has um a, a limitation use your limitation to help someone else Talk about your adversities, especially if you have overcome or overcoming, right? Talk mm-hmm. to somebody who's still down there to see yep. how best you can help them to get out of the mud and, and, and get clean and ready again. You know, Shelly, it's always nice talking to you. I've talked to you before and yes. I want you to continue the good work that you have been doing. Thank Thanks you. for coming and can you exploration, your topic in the podcast. This has been great. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciated it. Um, I do a podcast called Life Beyond the Label, Mm -hmm. and it's once a month. And I talk to people from all over the world, all different kinds of disabilities and backgrounds. Uh, I just had John from John's Crazy Socks. He's a young man that has a sock business, crazy sock business with his dad. (laughs) Okay. And I tell you, doctor, he his his little sock business is worth four million dollars. Wow! And he's not even. <laughs> that man is doing quite well. He is doing great. Um, you know, I've I've had the blessing of of talking to the oldest progeria woman mm-hmm. in the world. She lives in Ohio, and progeria is when there's progerian in your blood, and you age ten times, eight, ten times faster 
than everybody else. So at 16, it looked like she was 80. Wow. Um, and they usually do not live past their 20s. And she is so blessed and empowered that she is in her 40s. And wow. she is a phenomenal little sprite and a, a delight for the world. Um, yeah. How I, do we get your podcast, though? How do we how do we find it? Oh, I mean, so um, it's on Instagram, Life Beyond the Label underscore podcast. Mm -hmm. um, it's also, if you follow me on LinkedIn, it's under Shelly Hauser, H-O-U-S-E-R. And I also started my own little business to do this kind of consulting and okay. society education called Inclusive Consulting. And there's mm -hmm. a website for that. And uh, there's a What's Facebook. What's the website for that? It is www.inclusiveconsultingservices.com. Mm -hmm. And there's also a Facebook page under Inclusive Consulting as well. Um, so I'll write simulations. I'll work with simulations. I will help anyone in the world set up and advise them on how to connect with persons with disabilities for mm -hmm. their simulations and kind of help them uh, empower themselves and, and join those communities together because the disability community and the medical communities really need to, and you know, emergency responders and stuff, they, they need to talk mm -hmm. with and talk to and learn from persons with disabilities so they can be better at their jobs and have a better, a better reaction and and not a stigmatized biased reaction right. Right. To, to that kind of thing. So um, that is my journey and purpose in life to kind of blend those two and get them to talk a little bit more with some respect and knowledge with e between each other. Right. Important. Yeah. All right, Shelly, we'll talk again. Thanks for coming. And can you exploration your topic in the podcast? Goodbye.